ladies and gentlemen, coming out of the fourth corner, the undefeated, undisputed, unquestionable Four Corners Podcast WrestleMania Edition! This is Shad here with Matt and Brad, and if you decide to stick with us through that uh, awful intro, we're glad you joined us tonight. Um, Brad, are you doing pretty good? I think you need to do a Jim Barnett uh, intro one of these times. Uh, my boy. I gotta work on that, my boy. My, yes. my boy, I gotta work on that. Um, Matt, how is your recovery going? Chad, is that you? <laughs> I, Chad, I like, Brad, I like to you? think so. <laughs> I, I don't, can't don't go towards the light. I can't tell. I literally just got back from MetLife Stadium five minutes ago. <laughs> And the awful commute that was the disaster that it was leaving how, WrestleMania. How deep into the show was it when you were like messaging us like I haven't even gotten there yet? Uh, well, the we left this the show. Did the show actually start at five or was it five thirty? Uh, the like, pre-show like stuff in the ring. The pre-show was scheduled to start at five. I don't know how much when things actually started happening. Okay, like so we left our. We were so every year, uh, part of the like the Wrestling Observer group, like the guys, not so much uh, Dave Meltzer or Brian Alvarez, um, but the people who frequent the board, because there's like a there's a there's a little community that's involved with it. Those guys, uh, Ed from San Antonio, I'll give Ed a, a shout out. Ed from San Antonio always tries to put together like a bus, some sort of transportation to get to the actual venue, mm-hmm. and. It, my God, he was a godsend this year. Like he actually was a, a hero of the day, because we all got on the bus at four, and on the way out we had a ride back, which uh, we'll talk about it later. But that was kind of like that was a, a huge nightmare situation. People leaving WrestleMania. Um, we left at four. It took like an hour to get there, but then we had to like wait basically like thirty minutes to just waiting in traffic, like at the stadium. Like we we were just waiting to to park basically. Right. So we missed like we missed like we got there probably we got in the stadium probably like five thirty. Wow. Okay. Well. All right. That's. Wow. That's that. Uh, can, can I make a comment about something that kind of really pissed me off about Mania? Mm-hmm. Is couldn't you couldn't they have given Michael Cole a night off after he could barely talk at the end of Mania instead of throwing him out there for three hours of Raw the next night? You would think so, but I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just got to just got to power through it, pal. Uh, it was enjoyable watching it live because I didn't have to hear the commentary from <laughs> any of the announced teams. Okay, wow. Yeah, that was really that really stands out when you watch a bunch of indie shows, and almost all of the indie shows have better announcing than WWE does. Well, they they have the benefit of having um, different viewpoints as opposed to one viewpoint being siphoned through three people or two people or whatever. Well, and, and Ex- Excalibur is a hard guy to follow up because he's really good at his job. Okay, fair enough. So, yes, Matt. Um, Matt just now 
returned from from <laughs> Mania weekend. Yes, just barely. And he's he's um, he's, uh, he's seen things, man. He's, he's seen things. He's got to leave on Thursday to make the WrestleMania 36 pre-show, which is starting uh, in about 48 hours. Yeah, starting soon, guys. Yes. Because and our goal to make sure that WrestleMania never ends, just keeps going on for hours and hours and days and days. And I understand that uh, the Undertaker has already started walking. Making his way to the ring. He needs a little rascal now. What? You know what? I'm not even going to make that joke. Just. Or they're just a rascal, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't think Alfalfa is going to help him that much. Um. So we we're in this. Uh, that's that's a lot of wrestling in one weekend, isn't it, Matt? That's. Uh, it was a lot. Uh, I feel. I feel WrestleMania encompassed more hours of wrestling than I had previously watched in the three days that preceded it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you know, know what, we didn't do our... Sh- Go ahead. I was going to say, you know what's sad is I... This is the first year and like I really invested in the sideshows and I like really bought a lot of stuff. And I did pretty good about watching stuff this weekend, but I probably still have like three or four shows left that I need to watch and I don't know when I'm going to fit those in. So it was a busy weekend because I watched NXT, then I powered through some stuff on Saturday and obviously podcasted about one of them and then watched some more stuff on Sunday. And I still have like, I think, Stardom, Joey Janelle's Spring Break, and the Orange Cassidy show left to watch. Yeah, there was just so much content, like hours upon hours upon hours, and show upon show upon show. Um, I'm going to try and watch some of it. I did not get a chance to see much of it. Um, I, I did hear a lot of people that were talking, people who got to the shows, so I did hear a lot of uh, commentary and kind of tidbits from, from people who had actually been to the shows and like how good they were, at least memorable stuff that came out of uh, a lot of the different independent shows that were running that weekend. Uh, you know, Chad, we never did the... We never did our like shout outs and that's true. We just kind of got started. Um, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and take care of that. It's okay. You guys know what we're going to be doing tonight. There's going to be some mania. There's going to be some information about, uh, what it was like on the ground. And so we'd like to hear from you guys. Were you there? Um, what intrigues you about what we heard? Hit us up on the social media. Brad's got the first one. Yeah, you can reach us on Facebook. That is Four Corners Podcast. That is the number four corners as a single word podcast. And then Matt's got the second one. That's right. We are on Twitter. We are at uh, Podcast Four Corners. That's the capital P in podcast, the number four in corners. Podcast Four Corners. Uh, we added a couple followers uh, over the course of the weekend. People who, uh, I guess, interacted with me <laughs> over the weekend <laughs> or just like my tweets. Um, but yeah, we are uh, at Podcast Four Corner. Four cool. Corners. And then we are on Instagram. It's Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four corners podcast. There's no spaces because Instagram doesn't let you put spaces up. Um, and then, uh, actually, Matt got to meet up with. Uh, someone we're an affiliate with, with Collar and Elbow. They were at WrestleCon, is that right? That's true. They had a booth at WrestleCon. Um, they had also all of their brand new t-shirts. They were debuting uh, a bunch of their new designs at WrestleCon. Uh, I think, Shad, you can uh, confirm this. I think they're already available on their website. 
They just put it up uh, a few minutes ago. Yeah, they have some awesome designs. I actually got three T-shirts, uh, two for myself, one for my wife. My wife was actually sporting the, uh, one of those T-shirts um, immediately. Basically, she started, She wore it. Um, she was wearing it like Friday night when we went to go see NXT. So, it's got the super soft, uh, super soft material, and it's really comfy. Yep, all I'm that actually, kind of good stuff. Yep, I'm actually wearing one of them right now. It's uh, it's actually very comfortable. And did you get to uh, talk with them any? Uh, not that much, uh, just for like a couple of minutes because they were pretty busy working uh, their booth and I selling t-shirts were. and stuff like that. Al Snow was there hanging yeah. out. Yeah. Yep. Al Snow's who started the company. So if you are interested in getting yourself some collar and elbow gear, head to their website and use the uh, promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four. Capital C in corners, capital P in podcast, no spaces. That'll get you 10% off your order. So, um, hey, check them out. They're good folks. They make good stuff. It's comfy. We've got even more, uh, we've got even more endorsement. So, and then, um, there's one other shout out. We got to give support to our man, to our main man. Yeah, and that support be- goes to. That would be Epico Cologne. Uh, sadly, Epico wasn't apparently good enough for the WWE to put into the Andre the Giant Battle Royal uh, or in any of the tag matches on the show, but uh, he's still number one in our books. So. Justice for Epico. Justice for <laughs> Epico. Just, hashtag I believe in Epico. Yes. Uh, Why can't we have a little Epico mania? Yeah. The, it, it's almost his name, right? Yeah. The whole event would be anyway. So, yes. Can I, can I give one more shout-out? Sure. Uh, just a shout-out to some of the people I was like hanging out with. Um, the Fully Posable podcast guys. Okay. Uh, they have their own podcast. Their, their podcast is actually probably... They're, they're bigger than us, basically. <laughs> uh, but, but they... They do talk about uh, wrestling toys, amongst other things. I know that uh, frequent... Uh, friend of the show and... Uh, previous guest christy patrillo aka zach malibu uh he's been on their show a bunch of times talking wrestling toys uh they had a meetup on saturday while we were there uh and i got a chance to hang out with uh one half of them um really good guys uh so just going to give them a shout out to the fully posable podcast guys all right well we're we're gonna have to tag them um we're gonna have to tag them in uh in the uh, in, <laughs> in the whenever episode. we put the stuff up, yeah, yeah. So, as we said, Matt, you were on the ground for a bunch of stuff in New York this weekend. What um, what all did you get to go to? Uh, so I went to the rest. The is it WWN? The, re- the wrestle. No, WrestleCon's its like own thing. I think WWN was um, producing the show. Okay. Yeah, I did the WrestleCon Super Show Thursday night, um, and then I did NXT, I did the G1 Supercard, and then I did Mania itself. And I, I, I was actually talking to Brad beforehand. I would have done more shows, uh, but the sad thing is that they were. New York City is an amazing city. Obviously, it's uh, one of the best cities in the world. But when you have uh, multiple events that are spread out, literally across pretty much like all just about all five bureau uh, boroughs and in new jersey 
logistically, it wasn't really possible to be going back and forth. I mean, you could, but you it, you were basically would have had it been just like parked at one location and just watch whatever shows are at that location. Yeah, it seems uh, like to me the place to be was the the New Jersey place that had all the game changer wrestling and the stuff yeah. that was dubbed the collective. That seemed to be the mm-hmm. best venue to stake out at. Yeah, and I was actually kind of more hanging out at the uh, the WrestleCon Hotel, uh, which is where they were actually having the WrestleCon event itself. Uh, so I was mostly focused on that, and then going to the big shows, TakeOver, G1, and Mania. Uh, so that kind of ate up all of my other show time. So I haven't had a chance to see some of the other shows outside of that super show. Um, I'm going to have to watch it on Fight TV or one of these other venues, buy the, buy the DVD, something like that. Um, I did get to see, I, I was hanging out with a bunch of people who did go to some of those shows. So, um, I don't know if there's any shows you want to ask about the, the super show, uh, itself was pretty good. Uh, it was awesome. I got to see before the G1 super show, I actually got to see Liger in a tag match. He was in a six man with, uh, <laughs> with X-Pac and hurricane of all people. Yeah. Um, so watching him wrestle live was like pretty amazing. Uh, I got to see the Lucha Brothers live. That was pretty cool. They actually fought each other. Um, I think the main event for that was... It was Osprey and Bandito, wasn't it? Yeah, and that was a good match. Um, it actually was a pretty good match. I mean, I, again, I like him, but every every Osprey match has its Osprey-isms. You know, he'll... Yeah. He does, he does a bunch of... He gets his shit in. Um, but the that match was actually pretty good. I I actually like Bandito a lot. Um, I'm hoping Ring of Honor actually does a lot with him. Yeah, good luck uh, with that. Yeah, I know. I I say that's why I sort of like said it with a sigh. Yeah, we'll get to, um, we'll get to we'll get to Ring of Honor in a little bit. Yeah. So uh, we kind of talked about this um before the show, but since you were you had feet on the ground, uh, who do you think? Mm-hmm. Usually when you do Mania Weekend, someone like everyone comes out of that weekend talking about usually one yeah. or two guys. And um, we talked about before the show, but who do you think is that person this year? Yeah, we were kind of going back and forth about it before the show. And for me, like, I think the the word on the street based upon the hype and how well received all of his matches were and just how, kind of like how much of a a star like almost like a star making weekend for him was orange Cassidy. Uh, and he's someone who I had not, I had not really seen a lot of his gimmick before guys, but actually seeing it live. Cause he was in a six man on the super show. It was him and uh, best friends, Trent and Chucky e. T uh, against SoCal uncensored. And that was one of my favorite matches of the entire weekend. Um, uh- you posted part of it with um, mm-hmm. Chris Daniels <laughs> and him, like, because Chris Daniels put glasses on and they started doing, like, the sleepy chops. And my yes. favorite part of that clip is Chris Daniels the whole time is trying not to laugh. Like, there's a couple times where, like, you can <laughs> see the smirk. Uh, it was tremendous. Uh, so, if we were to call for the man now, we would get Becky Lynch instead of Randy Savage, right? For people corpsing, botchamania reference. Never mind. I'm done. I'm out. 
But my favorite part, though, is the crowd, like, made that where they do that lazy little slap and the crowd just be like, woo! Yeah. <laughs> it was tremendous watching it live. Everyone was into it. Uh, that was a that was a super fun match. It was purely comedy. Uh, that actually had some good stuff, too, from uh, Trent and Chucky e. T. They came out dressed again as a Scott Hall you know, for when Scott Hall invaded the first appearance of Scott Hall in WCW, uh, they dressed as him. And at one point they even did the whole like razor Ramon, they like, you know, pointing his thumbs to the chest, like stomp. You know oh, yeah. Talking about? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's kind of hard to put a word, kind of hard to put a descriptor to that without seeing it, you know? Yeah. But he, uh, Orange Cassidy was definitely like a, one of the stars of the weekend. He had, he was on a bunch of shows. He actually, I think, was staying at the Russell Khan Hotel because uh, I think it was Friday night, very late Friday night. Uh, he was like at the elevators going up, and some dude stopped him, and it was just like, "Hey, man, great, like great show or great appearance at this great match at this uh, particular show," and he was just quietly like, "Oh yeah, thanks," and and just went up to his room. Um, I want to see him wrestle. I, I I don't know if I'll get the show, but I really want to see the match he had with Brian Alvarez. Mm-hmm. Just because I think that'll be interesting. Yeah, I, his gimmick is just hilarious. It's it's such a fascinating gimmick. I've never, for those who don't who aren't aware of it. Uh, I mean, Brad, you know he was, you know, but I did not know he was previously in Chikara, but yeah, you do. Yes, I I don't want to break kayfabe, but he is an ant in um. Chikara. And he's still active with Chikara. Oh, yeah. okay. But All he right. was he was but... hilarious last year because he was in the clusterfuck last year and it took him like 20 minutes to get into the ring. Mm-hmm. Just because he was like at ringside like just like half asleep. Mhm. Cuz he's kind of like I I don't know, like the best way to describe it is he's like he's kind of this like sleepy guy, so like when his glasses are on, he's like Everything he does is like, like if he chops you, he kind of just smacks you or he like lightly kicks you. And then if you knock his glasses off, he kind of like Hulk rages and just like starts hitting you with big spots. And I got to see that live. It's just fascinating because he he looks so visually, he looks like um, Ryan Gosling from the movie Drive. Just visually, he he has looks exactly like that look, just without like the the cool jacket. Um, okay. But he and he has his hands in his pocket the entire time. It's like if you take the Ryan Gosling character from Drive and give him narcolepsy. <laughs> 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 That's basically like Orange Cassidy, but it's hilarious. And he does, outside of certain spots where he does like Hulk rage, it's. It's like the simplest gimmick ever. Like he does so little and it gets such a huge reaction from the crowd. Like he will wrestle with his hands in his pocket. And people it there was a great spot where I think it was Christopher Daniel and the six man that I saw on the super show. He was trying to like, you know, get do a collar and elbow lockup and he couldn't get Orange Cassidy's hands out of his pockets. So he'd do this <laughs> he'd do a spot where he'd like he'd finally it might have been Kaz, but he he would just like he'd pull a handout and and orange cast would find a way to like slip it out and then put it right back in the pocket <laughs> it's just it's it's little things like that like and he's working such a, a like light 
safe style and it gets it's over it's hugely over but the matches are still fairly good too they are good and they're they're entertaining as all hell i mean they obviously they they lean more towards the comedy side but it's it's fascinating and he definitely was massively over this weekend like a lot of people were talking about orange cassidy and how much they loved the gimmick so he's kind of to me like the envy outside of the major um you know as far as the indie scene goes he was kind of mvp now i'll throw three other names out there that i saw come up a lot this weekend in um good terms and we can react as they come up so uh the rock and roll express obviously because they're 60 in their 60s and they had a highly entertaining match with lax at spring break i saw a Mm -hmm. lot of they've still got it like they're still better than a lot of tag teams um spoiler alert Ricky Morton did a Canadian destroyer. <laughs> that's um that's not a phrase that I ever would have su- suspected I would have heard in my life. Yeah. I uh, also did a suicide dive apparently. Yes, he did. So I've I, I heard that they're actually I I don't know what it, it the overall announced as participants in the in the tournament so we'll see how that so you know what they should just let i well is court is billy corgan doing nwa now yes yeah i think so okay i i know that janella i think is signed with aew maybe he can just throw joey janella some money under the table to book the tournament because uh we talked about it before, like before uh, WrestleMania. I think, Brad, you're like, I never knew that LAX, I wanted to see LAX versus rock and roll. No, well, yes, but what what I realized after that is I'm now pissed at WWE because if they would have released the Revival back in January, that match probably would have been the Revival versus the Rock and Roll Express. Oh, man. That would have been amazing. Yeah, it would have. Now, I will say the next name I'm going to come up with is a name I saw a lot, and I think a lot of people are going to be really surprised by this one, but uh, I saw Swoggle's name come up a lot in a lot of good terms. That's true. People were giving a Swoggle some pretty good reviews. Swoggle was on a ton of shows uh, this weekend. He was on multiple shows uh facing off against a wide variety of people including nick gage in yeah. a death match and he somehow survived and scott steiner so he did comedy and he did like serious stuff he was in the clusterfuck too you gotta you gotta admire someone who's who's first of all gonna have a match with nick gage and that's not the only thing he's doing the weekend you know yeah but i i hear the the match he had with steiner is hilarious because steiner came out to like short people it was just like, was just, I mean, Scott Steiner's hilarious, so I think them working together was probably hilarious. Uh, I, I hope that Steiner has calmed down as he's, you know, as he has progressed in age. He, um, uh, my opinion of him changed a lot. They brought him in, um, to Slammiversary a couple years ago and did like a, um, Broken Universe style vignette with him. And um, 
the thing you realize about Scott Steiner is he's very like self-aware. Okay. And so they're doing this backstage stuff, and he was just calling Joseph Park and us Jeremy Borash like fat asses, and they sprayed yeah. them with a with like um a fire extinguisher, and he was like asking um. Oh, I don't remember his name. The guy that he was teaming with, he was like, um, he's like, how do I look, man? Like, I think, and he's like showing him his teeth. I like, I think this makes me look like a clown. While they're like <laughs> chasing them down in this golf cart. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. He just, and he's done like, he's done these other promos. Like, I don't know. He's just like the self-aware guy. I don't know. I, he seems like he settled down though. And he's just having fun. I mean, that's good considering the the stories about the fights backstage WCW, but the fact that he can embrace the meme now and have fun with it is nice. Yeah, and then so um, the final name I heard a lot because he was in a lot of interesting matches was uh, Jonathan Gresham. Yeah, he's, uh, he's kind of really coming up. Uh, he's a great worker, um, tremendously talented technical wrestler. Uh, I think he's I don't know if he's signed with them I think he's signed with them with Ring of Honor uh, he's at least affiliated with them and so they do I, with him. yeah I mean unfortunately if he is signed with them I'm sure it's yeah, I'm sure he's getting at least some decent money but that's a guy that clearly like would benefit from being in AEW like he would get a lot of exposure there or even Impact uh, honestly true uh, he's a guy who I don't I don't know if we'd ever see him in the WWE just because he's on the small side. I mean, he's probably five. I think he's like five foot six. And as talented as he is, like they would just throw him on two or five live. Yeah. And that'd be the end. That'd be all you ever saw of him. Um, he's a little bit, I think physically he's probably a little bigger than Leo rush, but not, not by much. He's uh, a little, super talented. He's a little. I'd say he's skinnier though, so I think he'd be even even a worse like. And he's not like, he doesn't have the flashy offense like Rush, so I think he'd be in an mm. even worse position. Yeah, I uh, was it the was it the Orange Cassidy is doing something show or was it the Game Changer on Saturday? They may have been the same show, but I think he was they supposed were. to face off against. Yeah, he was supposed to face off against uh, Otani Shinjiro Otani. It's supposed like, to be uh, good, and the Eddie Kingston versus Otani match is supposed to be good. I mean, I can't imagine it not being good because Shinjiro Otani, uh, older now, uh, legendary New Japan um, junior heavyweight. For those who are not aware of him, uh, yeah. he's I think even even as old as he is, which is not he's not ancient but i mean even as an older wrestler i i'm sure he can still go yeah so so okay yeah. so it's so much content like we i want to see from yeah, this weekend I that i it's, get it's a chance tough. to and I, yeah. I just don't have time to get to all of it but i will say mm-hmm. i will say coming out of this weekend i'm not a deathmatch guy but i'm kind of interested in seeing more game changer wrestling just because the amount of like thought and creativity they put into their shows is really not matched by many other companies. Mm-hmm. But so I was going to I was going to ask you so you went to the three major shows of the weekend. So I'm going to guess I'm just going to guess off the top of my head you probably said um Takeover is the best show. Uh to me, yes. Then I would say That was by far and away the best show. And I'm going to say your middle 
show was the Ring of Honor New Japan show. Yep. And that would then, have been the G1 Super Show. Yep. And then WrestleMania was probably a distant third. A very distant third, yes. So let, why don't we start with... <laughs> That's only because Mania took had such a... Uh, the others had such a lead because Mania took so long to get done. Yeah. The others just got that oh, far, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, I have thoughts about that. Yeah, so go, let, ahead. Why don't uh, we, go ahead. Why don't we go with... Let's take the good first and go with... Let's go with TakeOver first. Okay. So I watched TakeOver. Um, that is something I did get to watch. I watched that pretty much live. And... Um, so if I was throwing out snowflakes for this, which I'm not going to do because I'd have to go back and rewatch it, I would say there were five matches and I wouldn't have rated anything under four stars. I, I have to. I actually would want to watch the matches again, but I wouldn't really stray too far from from that statement. I mean, I think. I was I was mentioning this kind of before we we went live for the podcast. The it's as great as some of the stuff was, as emotional as like the the Kofi win was, as awesome as some of the G one stuff was. Uh, it's to me a toss up between the NXT Tag Championship match, the Dream Riddle match, and the Gargano Cole um, two out of three falls match. Those three matches, like I go back and forth, which to which is I think the best match of the weekend. And all of those were easily over four stars, in my opinion. Four, to, four or more. I, uh, I think what's interesting about Takeover is it's so divisive among people, which they think is the best match. Like everyone says it was all good, but there's such a wide variety of opinion on what was actually the best match. Yeah, there's, think, there's also, um, I, I, I don't know when this was stated, but Melcher says it was the best. Um, big show that that company has ever done. I, I so I would I would say it's the best takeover of all time and I would listen to arguments. I don't think it's the best show of all time and I know that's a little hyperbolic, but if it's not the best show of all time, it's a top 10 like all-time history of ever show. Like that's how strong it, it was. In terms of work rate, I mean, I mean it's also I guess it's slightly unfair because you're really only dealing with five matches versus shows that maybe have like double that, so they can get dragged down. But it's it should be in the discussion. And to me, it, it's easily a front runner right now for match of the, uh, match of the year for uh, pay per view of the year or show of the year. I think even like the Walter Dunn match was that was I think people were a little less excited for that because it was more it wasn't a showy. They worked. They. I kind of feel like they worked that wrong for what it was supposed to be, but I still loved it though. Yeah. I think by the by the end it got tremendous, yeah. and I would I would at least rate that four stars. The only match on the show, if you said everything was four stars or better, I'd have to watch the women's match again because I liked it a lot. Um, I don't know if I would give it four stars. Um, I think it was the weakest. Of the show, but I would still give it a straight four stars. Our show is not like hard and fast with like snowflakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I would say like it, we don't we don't do that just because well amongst the three of us we also have some different um, very sometimes different um, criteria on what we're looking for. The, the problem yeah. with, so the problem with snowflakes too is the more you watch the more you're 
the more like your star ratings change because like let's say you have never seen like a Mizawa Kawada match and you've given a bunch of matches five stars and you watch that and you're like well shit that's way better than anything I've ever seen before and now I have to rethink everything like that's why yeah that's why I don't throw them out unless like I'm just like spitballing something it, it can give you a decent idea of what you're looking at but yeah. I am um I'm kind of of the opinion that it's like, uh, it, it's, it's not necessary. Uh, I mean, that's not, uh, well. Yeah, it's, it's, you're like quibbling about minor details at that point. Yeah. It's really just like, was, this, was, was the five matches on this show all amazing and worth your time to watch? Yeah. And to me, the answer is like, absolutely. Every, every match on the show. But We're not going to have a, a horrible, knockdown knockdown dragout over a point yeah. one of a star difference, you know, but I will say the Dean, uh, go ahead. I was going to say we're, so we, my, my wife only watched the, the tag with me cause she was doing some other stuff, but we were, we were three fourths of the way through the, the opening tag. And my wife's just like, mania's fucked. Like nothing's going to top this. Like they might as well just stop. Yeah. I, I kind of felt that that was going to be the case watching it live. I'm pretty sure watching she- it live. I'm pretty uh-huh. sure she said that right after Hanson did the handspring elbow. Which the the crowd went insane for. Everyone went insane. The the emotion for all of these matches was like a, a huge in the in the in the actual stadium. Like the energy was amazing. I, it was just fantastic. I this is the show that um I'm actually glad my wife got to see cuz she actually enjoyed it quite a bit. I, and the, I, the fact that they actually the gave fact, Gargano his moment was really good and unexpected, actually, because that's not usually how NXT works. Yeah, um, and I think that they definitely had him win because they wanted that emotional moment at the end there with Ciampa. Uh, spoilers for those who have not seen the show. Uh, it was five days ago. Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> I I really actually thought that they were going to have uh, Cole win it and actually the state the the people in attendance i would people were happy that gargano won and it was an awesome moment uh i i don't know if you guys have a chance to see this but i know they were they taped a like a two-part interview with champa Mm -hmm. where it breaks breaks all sorts of kayfabe i mean he's talking about his his neck surgery and he kind of reveals that like Goldie, did you have you guys seen this or heard about it? I've heard, I've about, heard it. about it. Yeah, he he basically reveals that Goldie is not his references to Goldie was not really really about Goldie. He wasn't about the championship. He's like it's kind of like a it was a metaphor really for like his daughter. And there part of the the interview is a long explanation about how he and his wife like have tried to have children, uh, struggled with it, finally had a daughter. Like it's it basically turns him into the biggest the guy who was probably the best heel in the company now is like the the biggest baby face. Um, yeah, the um just for what it's worth, um the R squared circle subreddit, uh for those of you that are familiar with Reddit, you're aware that there is a certain phrase that was used with Champa. It was only two words. First word uh only had four letters. Um and now they can't use that anymore because of that interview. <laughs> and some people are kind of mad about that. But it, it, it sounds like, from what the gist I got from that interview, though, is it sounds like he has accepted the fact that 
there's like a more than more likely than not that he is never going to wrestle again is kind of the vibe I got from some of that too, from what I've seen. Well, he has been good enough that I could see him being like Tyson Kidd and turning into a really good agent. Um, so if if he cannot anymore, then, uh, you know, I'm going to pull for him on that. I'm going to pull for that being a thing for him because he could, you know, he there's a lot that he could share in that. I don't know um, what level of severity his was as opposed to uh, other people who've had neck surgeries and then continue to, to work a little longer, like Angle or Austin, things like that. I know he had fusion, so he's already said that if he's able to come back, it's on borrowed time, which is, uh, that's that's very true. Like, that'll likely be the case. Um, I would love to see him back just because I think he, by the end there, he, he got to be one of the most entertaining guys in the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously we care about the, the real human beings behind the characters. So, yeah. So Matt, here's what I'm going to ask for you to do. I want for you to, um, just, okay. From going to NXT, mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask for the best. I'm going to ask, what was your favorite match to watch on that card? It's really tough. Like, Again, the three one the three matches that I mentioned, I probably yeah. I loved I loved a lot, and there's things about each of them that I loved. I mean, I love that Gargano uh, overcome the like all odds in yeah. one. They had that emotional moment. Uh, I loved the Dream Riddle match. To me, this was this was actually I mean, he's already a star, but to me, this was like this was Dream's like star making moment. Mm-hmm. I thought his tri- his performance in that was tremendous, and him overcoming uh, Riddle, uh, who kind of was positioned, at least in the matches, the better athlete. Yeah, uh, that he was able to kind of outsmart him and still come across and actually sustain some of that offense. I think it was a star making performance, but I would probably say that the the opening tag was probably the thing that to me was the most amazing. It okay. was just fantastic, like. And at the end, when it's clear, like, Black and Ricochet are moving up, uh, Ricochet yeah. got emotional. He was kind of in tears there. You could, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but you could yeah. see how emotional uh, Ricochet was making his mania entrance. Yeah. You know, he, he comes out and he's doing his thing, and he stops on the ramp, and he's stopping to take it in. And you can just see how much that means to him. I don't have a choice. Ricochet is is in terms of big companies, the closest thing to a hometown boy I've got. So I'm always going to be a Ricochet fan. Um, (laughs) So, you know, the dude definitely had a big weekend. Um, So, you know, major props to him. My my wife's favorite is still probably The Miz. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because she was a real-world fan back in the day, but she has... she just, has, I'm sorry, I know I'm cutting in, but that's mm-hmm. actually why The Miz is my wife's least favorite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. so, I'm sorry, go on. I will say that my wife has become a huge Ricochet fan. Oh, yeah? Um, I mean, I, I, again, my wife is not the biggest wrestling fan. She doesn't really uh, like a lot of it, but to the extent that she does, she absolutely likes the, the acrobatic stuff I figured out. Like, uh, mm-hmm. She finds that like really entertaining. And there are few who are better out there than Ricochet. So she's she's 
she's become quite the fan of his. That's very true. My oddly enough, my wife is similar to your wife in that vein. She enjoys seeing the athletic acrobatic stuff. So, um, we haven't gotten to dig in as much, but I've been, I've been trying to keep an eye out for good ricochet stuff to earmark. Okay. So I'm going to move us on to the next one, uh, briefly. The, the New Japan Ring of Honor, Madison Square Garden, in the uh, the union gets uh, lots of overtime show, I guess. Um, <laughs> they finished the show with like three minutes to spare, I think. <laughs> three right minutes. Before, like right before midnight, yeah. Actually, I think so, this turned into the Jekyll and Hyde show. Mm, this turned into I, the New Japan Awesome Ring of Honor Suck. That was kind of the consensus uh, from a lot of people uh, there this weekend. Uh, in fact, I, I I wouldn't be quite so harsh, but I think on the Wrestling Observer message board, someone had threw up a, a thread where it's like Ring of Honor's contributions to the show were an embarrassment, and I, which is pretty harsh. But I yeah. they clearly they're. Uh, Brad and I were kind of talking about this right before we went on the podcast. Like there is a clear disparity between the two. And mm-hmm. it's obvious that when these the tickets for this show went on sale, they were probably always going to sell out just because. Did in United States in New York City WrestleMania weekend, it probably would have always sold out. But when they put the tickets on sale, uh, the, all the elite guys were still part of the company. So I think mm-hmm. people presumed it would be an IWGP uh, New Japan slash Elite heavy pay per view, and that's mm-hmm. not what that's not what we got. But I still actually enjoyed the show. But Brad, I don't know if you want to if you have any more commentary about <laughs> Ring of Honor's well, poor performance. Do, do, do we want to do we want to go through like their numerous fuck ups on this show? Just like to get why not? It? Sure. Okay, so why don't we start? We can do with... it briefly. Why don't we start with the Battle Royal? Yeah, they started off... Uh, I, I think this was... I think this was technically like a pre-show, maybe? I don't know. I mean, I was there live, so I couldn't tell I think, quite... I think, that, was... made, I think that made TV. Okay. Um, so yeah, they had a Ring of Honor uh, rumble. Uh, so it was Royal Rumble style, although I think it was more like one minute in between for time purposes. And it was a mix of Ring of Honor slash New Japan guys. Uh and you, tell me where the fuck ups were. There were I could I could there were a few. Well, let's go with let's go with the really big one. So, uh, you guys got quite the thrill, and I don't think anyone realized he was in the country or going to be on this show. But the Great Muda came out. Great Muda was number thirty in this rumble, and uh, no one knew that it was a big surprise. Except, uh, I, well, part of the weekend a sidebar. Part of the weekend was hanging out a bit with. Uh, wrestling observers own brian alvarez uh who is a nice guy but right before right as the um as the rumble was happening i guess brian either sent out a message or tweeted that uh everyone's was going to enjoy who the last participant was and then muda strolled out right at number 30 and like the police the place went electric like it's i mean i'm i'm old enough to like be a big Muda fan because back in the day, but I'm young enough that it's like I would not have been to a show uh, that when he was actually in 
well in nwa way back in the day and then wcw i was i was a little too young for that so seeing him live even though he's i think had a double knee replacement yeah yeah it's it's kind of stunning he's even out there although i will say this this is kind of sad but he moves better than taker does at this point oh and they're probably like the same age muda might actually be older Yeah. yeah so they 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 whittle it down and it looks like everyone's going to get this big muda versus liger um face off which has a lot of history for it in Japan, and I imagine the crowd was about to go ballistic for when Kenny King, who really no one gives a shit about, came out and eliminated both, like, came back in the ring and eliminated both guys because I guess he wasn't. I thought I didn't even, I thought he had already been eliminated. I thought he had been eliminated because he wasn't in the ring for a long time. Yeah, that's what a lot of people said. And then he won, and that was just dumb. Like, the crowd was just like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, I I will say this uh, he, this would have been kind of like a comedy win. Uh-huh. Uh, but Cheeseburger was in this match and he was at least over. So if you okay. if you actually had had Cheeseburger come out as, on top of this, people would have accepted that. Well, like it may have been kind of like a joke, but it, he at least was over. It would have kind of been like it's funny and it also would have made sense cuz you had Liger who Cheeseburger you know, has kind of like a a relationship with, yeah. Like the gimmick is that they have a relationship. Like he he's been a big Liger fan. Uh, it, it would have kind of made sense in a way. It, there would have been a logic to it. Yeah, and then you know you could have done they eliminate Muda together, and then Liger just like gives him the thumbs up and jumps out and eliminates himself, and Cheeseburger wins. Yeah, and it would have been fine, but. Like, the Kenny King thing, like, I don't have anything against Kenny King, and I don't think anyone does, but it's kind of like what happened on Raw, where people kind of expected something, and then it was the bar, and then no one, everyone likes the bar, but when you're they're in the wrong situation, then the bar gets shit on, because they're not the Undisputed Era. I always feel really bad for people in that spot, like, uh, for example, Ali at Fastlane. I feel bad for folks that are in that spot, because it's... They're obviously not the ones making the call, and yet there they are. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, by, by the way, I just looked it up. Uh, Muta is actually two years older than Undertaker. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. He's because he was and, around. And, yeah, Muta Muta actually moves about better. He 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 at least did some spots in the in the Rumble match. Yeah. Wow. So then I'm gonna go with the really big one, and the one that just. I think is actually as a company they should be humiliated by this. And this is something that this this next part like Vince Russo has a raging boner thinking about this angle if he like right now if he saw it. Brad, Brad, Brad. If we're going to do this, we have to do it right. If you're going to say that then Vince Russo is on a pole. Well, on his <laughs> pole. Yes. So they did this shooty shooty worky thing by having like Enzo and Big Cass um invade. Oh, you know what? I'm glad actually you brought that up. Uh because they came out and live it did not seem like it was storyline or angle. 
it's it I, I initially like i didn't see big casts i also was enzo and it seemed very much to the live crowd that that idiot just had bought a ticket and then jumped the guardrail well uh, it's because he's done that before almost yeah. done that before so yeah it's believable and it also it was weird because live if you looked at the monitors they were showing um I forget who they were showing, but they were they weren't showing Didn't you what say, was happening. Um, Toru Yano was trying to steal like a belt. At yeah, the time. yeah, it was Yano. They 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 flashed to Yano. Yano was like on the uh, like on the entranceway, and they were the camera was the the monitors were focusing on him, so you did not see what was actually happening. So it it made it seem very real, and then all of a sudden, Big Cass was there, and it was. It seemed more like Angle, but it was still odd because like they didn't show it, so it was confusing. That's, it was very confusing. That's um, that's one of the ones I'm. I would have let. I, that's one guy I would love to see live is Toru Yano, just because he makes me so happy, and mm-hmm. I think he's hilarious. Yeah, but I understand what you're saying. Cause it's this is like the two guys you're actually going to get in bed with, like yeah. in zone big ass, like um a. A guy that was accused of rape and a guy that was so annoying that they fired him. And it's not yeah. it's not even someone your crowd would enjoy. Yeah, it just doesn't uh And you're not even and you're as a company you're not even built to utilize someone like Enzo who actually is kind of has move numbers for wwe but like you don't have the infrastructure to use him to like his potential so what's the point i don't know and then i, I wish and, yeah and then they reform the beautiful people because uh reasons my understanding is madison rain wanted to Yes, but then that—that's pretty much what it boiled down to. But then they told her no, and she went to Impact, and then they did it with Mandy Leon. So, ah, yeah, uh, yeah that's a great idea. We're not going to do it, and then she leaves, and like now we're going to do it. So, so, and then well, then they put the the world title on Matt Taven, which I don't think anyone really sees him as a world champion. So you have Ring of Honor doing all this stuff, but then you have. New Japan kind of hitting it out of the park with like Naito and Ibushi and the IWGP title match. It was just this weird, weird. Um, yeah. Oh, and then everyone, because of the, the screw ups on the ROH part, you have everyone pretty much forgetting um, PCO trying to die to entertain everyone. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, there was a crazy PCO spot in this that he basically got like power bombed over the ropes and onto the cement and he got launched. Yeah, he got he got lawn darted. And, and landed it looked like on his neck upper shoulders. Yeah. And then I, thought he's dead and he does like an Undertaker sit up. I don't understand this. I, I honest to God I don't. Like I know the guy used <laughs> to have a career and then he he kind of went away for a while. All of a sudden, he comes back. Board kind of thing, maybe. It, but he's taking, like, what you just described is the craziest bump I've heard of him taking. But not by a whole lot. 
No. You know, he was regularly <clears throat> missing somersault sentons onto ring aprons. Like, regularly. Like, three shows a weekend kind of stuff. How is he walking? He just has to be a freak, man. Yeah. I'm, I would rather that be true than the other possibility, because the other possibility would concern me. I, I also have to comment on this for Ring of Honor. Um, comparatively to the rest of their roster, PCO and Brody King just come across like stars, unlike a lot of the rest of their wrestlers. That's true, and they are over. I, I actually, it was nice, but they gave PCO uh, kind of a WWE-style special entrance where they had him wheeled out like a Frankenstein monster and electrocuted to come alive for the match. Yeah. Okay. But I like that. I mean, I, I mean, I, I worry for the man's safety, but I'm excited that this guy, like he, I mean, he's out there working his ass off doing what he can. He's, he is like an entertaining, unique personality, which I think ring of honor is like severely lacking these days. Oh, totally. Yeah. How is um, Juice Robinson live? Does he come across like a star live? He does. Uh, he actually, I think, I'm, I'm glad he's he stuck around with New Japan for a little while longer. But it, it, look, it's hard to say because WWE is kind of like a hot mess with a lot of They have too many people and they, they, they kind of waste them. Yeah. But if he, in Ring of Honor is, it has its own issues as we're talking about. But he's a guy who should be a big thing like i know he's becoming kind of a big thing but he is very entertaining um and he's he has like a charisma about him that i would have never thought that back in the day he had this type of he'd get this type of reaction but he can work the crowd and he's a good enough worker now that he he can pull it off so i i I, it was nice seeing him Uh, it was i kind of like i didn't really care for the the match but it was nice to see him so what did so overall like despite the, the the warts of this show would you say the good outweighed the bad? Yeah, I would. Uh, I I did overall like the show. I thought the Jeff Cobb Will Osprey match was really good. Um, Osprey's Ospreyisms were kind of downplayed a little bit. Uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match was pretty good. It, it wasn't that long, but it was very entertaining. Again, I like Bandito a lot. Um, and Dragon Lee's Dragon... quite the, quite the guy. Yeah. Um, uh, the the Zack Saber Junior Tanahashi match was interesting to me. Um, I was not expecting that finish. Uh, I wasn't expecting to see Saber win, uh, but that was pretty good. Uh, the Ibushi Naito match was pretty fucking great, uh, and the Okada J White match was also just excellent. Like a, the the spectacle of seeing the IWGP Championship change hands on American soil. I think that's the first time that title has ever changed hands outside of Japan. I believe so. Uh, yeah, and just seeing Okada win was pretty tremendous, and that was a that was a really good match. Um, I'd have to rewatch this because I don't know. I have to I have to watch this and engage it with the the Jay White Tanahashi match to see which was better. Um, I kind of said that Jay White lost because uh, I think he has promise. Um, 
but it was from pretty tremendous. Like this is a show that is worth going out of your way to see. Uh, you could probably just fast forward during the yeah. New Japan and, stuff and sign up for Honor Club because it's like forty dollars if you try and get it on the Fight app. Oh, this is this show isn't on uh, New Japan World yet. Oh yeah, it should be on. New, I don't know. I'll have to look. I was waiting to see if, if it's it not on New Japan World actually. Yeah, I think if if it isn't yet, it probably will be soon. Yeah. Um. So let's let's get into Mania. So yeah. Okay, Matt. In Mania, I'm sorry, Brad. I know I'm I'm cutting you off here, but I do want to ask you this. What could you call the overall mood of the crowd at Mania? It. So it started off pretty good, and people were excited. Uh. And once you got past the the pre-show stuff, those four matches, and you actually got to the, the meat of it with uh, starting off with Rollins versus Lesnar, um, pe- the crowd was pretty hot. Like, people were really hot for that match and for the title change. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I was kind of... I, I didn't really like that. It was it, To me, it was like a non-match. It was just Brock beating the shit out of him. And then... And then Rollins gives him a low blow, and then it's three like unimpressive curb stomps, and then he wins the title. So I didn't care for that at all, but it, it did get the crowd pretty livened up. Mm-hmm. And they stayed that way for a good part. Uh, at least the next couple matches, uh, Shane and Miz kind of dragged a bit. Um Although I think people did pop for you know the couple big spots that happened, <laughs> I will say. So I'll add this in. Um, yeah. Greg Mizanin, <laughs> uh, George, sorry, George Mizanin. Yeah. George Mizanin should be thrown up there with uh, Orange Cassidy and Swaggle and the rest. The rest as uh, <laughs> honorable mention. Having a big weekend. Hero of the weekend. Uh, that picture of him in the ring like putting up his dukes to fight shane has become has been memed so hard over the last couple of days it, it really has i was uh, scrolling through those before we went live so when did the yeah. turn in the crowd happen then as you said they like started off the crowd there. the crowd uh it didn't die for that match it kind of uh dropped down a little but i i don't actually think that that was their fault i mean it's a false count or match I knew that was going to happen because Falls Count Anywhere, you knew they were going to at least be like brawling, if not in the crowd, then backstage or something. So the crowd, the, the action would not be focused right upon the ring. Right. They'd be somewhere else where people have to basically, to see what's really going on, you'd have to look at the monitor. Yeah. So that kind of takes them out. I knew that was going to happen. So the, I wouldn't even blame them. That was okay. Um, people were still pretty connected for... The uh, the women's tag and everyone, everyone came alive for the Kofi Bryan match. Like that was by far the emotional high point of everything, and that to me, like that's where the show peaked. And it, well, I don't know. We can t- talk at length about that if you want to. Uh, the the Roman Reigns McIntyre match was kind of just like a raw match. It was there. Yeah. Joe and Mysterio was fine, but it was so short. What killed the crowd yeah. was Triple H Batista. Ah, ha, ha, ha. I knew that was what 
what you're gonna say. It and it doesn't and surprise I'm, me. Outside of you know the the spots that were either you know graphically violent, like the ripping off the nose ring, or kind of the big spots at the end, um, it was a boring match. Can we can we, can we stop for one second? Sure. Everyone talks about how Triple H is going to save the company. So mm-hmm. you bring in this guy that has mainstream appeal, so you might get some new eyeballs on the match. And then for his match, you do graphic fucking violence. What a fucking stupid idiot are you for doing that? Like, you're going to do exactly what's going to turn those people off? Like, what What the fuck? Like, that was... I, I Brad, don't hold back. I completely understand your point. Um... It, but the problem is that there's the way they booked this entire thing to begin with. I felt like they, that's the direction they had. They felt like they had to go. Although there were, again, at per usual with like Triple H matches, there was too many steps. It, was, it wasn't just like, oh, we'll have a no-holds-barred match or a no-DQ match or something like that. It's like, well, it's that plus... If Triple H loses, he has to retire. Yeah, so it's like, knew. come on, so, come on. So the, yeah, you yeah. Get foregone conclusion. So they made people sit through a 23-minute match and like 10 minutes of entrances for a match 15. you knew that Triple H wasn't yeah. going to fucking lose. No, it was like 15 minutes of entrances. And I want to point out, I, I'd have to actually look at the timestamp, but uh, again, the show basically started at 5. Uh, it was about 7 o'clock when the main show started. This, this was going on. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was like calculating my mind like, oh, fuck. Like, even as the match was going, I'm like, there's at least three more matches after this. This was the longest segment as well, because this was 45 minutes. Um, yeah. That's about right. Stuff. So, yeah, that's about right. And I will tell you, like, at this was the point when it not only killed the crowd, but fatigue started setting in. I bet. But so, so this is this is what I want to point to. What? Things like this for those people that think Triple H is some fucking savior for the company, though. Look at shit like mm-hmm. this. Like he is, he might be better, but you're still gonna deal with shit like this from him. I I believe it will be better. I can't. Look, it's not like I think as soon as he gets there, everything's going to become NXT because NXT has the benefit of once someone's done, they can move on. Yeah. Kind of like old territory stuff, oddly enough, but you don't have that option on the main roster. I think it'll be better. I don't think it's going to be, you know, um, what's the last thing? Amaze balls or anything like that? It's not going to wipe away every deficiency yeah. that this company has it will be better in the sense that i think triple h is more appreciative of specific talents and i think would probably be more willing to to break out of whatever pattern they have and let someone who is kind of organically getting over um move you know ahead. what if we get that i i will be so much happier yeah, I mean, I think it would be an improvement in that end, but it's not going to be like night and day. And like, yeah, he he has his own issues and deficiencies. This being like a, a good one of them. I mean, he's how old is he now? He's he's, he's like, like mid forties. No, he's like forty eight. Oh, he's okay. He's forty nine. I just looked it up. 
Because this is he's he's pushing fifty. It's like, how much longer is he going to do this? Yeah, and this is what my problem with him though is every time he works or has a program, he's fucking beating off in everyone's face. Like every single fucking time with him. Like, look, it, I, he I got have, he go got ahead, a, man. I'm sorry to cut you off, Shad. He got a longer and bigger entrance than Batista, who in. Oh, not not even one month's time in like three weeks time batista is going to be in what will probably be the biggest movie of the year and batista basically just had like a a five minute like intro where he just like came out there and went down to the ring like triple h got a fucking like muscle car uh mad max video slash entrance and it just yeah pointless in he still can't handle the fact that other people became movie stars and he didn't when he like made that lame ass attempt to be in movies like in the mid two thousands. You know what? He chose wrestling as his thing, uh, and that's fine. There's actually nothing wrong with that. But he, it's like at what point? It, it's almost like a weird insecurity. It's like it's okay, it's okay. You, it, I guess it's just because he will as try as he might he will never be the rock he will never be stone cold yeah yeah and, okay. and he came from that era and for all those all those like elaborate entrances he's had over the years has he ever had a memorable or a good one that wasn't like immediately derided as stupid the entrances yeah i don't think he's ever had one that people have like the close the closest one i think would be the conan like one? the king yeah, the King of yeah, Kings one. That's the I, I would go with the Conan think, the Barbarian one. I think people still like like that one, but after that, it became kind of like it just he's jerking off basically, like you said. It, the the mystique was finally dead and buried for me. Whenever it, it was the match with Rollins, Rollins came out and set stuff on fire, and you know, okay, Rollins comes out, he's gonna burn it down, whatever, right? And he comes out and he's got his fire thing. He's waiting. Here comes Triple H, or maybe Triple H came out first that year. I don't remember. And it's supposed to be this biker gang coming out with him. But the problem is, Triple H comes out with the biker gang on gang on a power trike. And it that immediately. How do you stack that up, right? Because who's the other person that used a motorcycle for their entry? It was the Undertaker, and it was a straight like straight up bike. Like no, Taker no. rolled out on his bike, drove it around the ring because he knew what he was doing. No, right, Shad, Triple that's, H. That's inaccurate. Brian Adams as Chains. Chains also used a motorcycle for his entry. Okay, I, f- I forgot about the Disciples of Apocalypse, and I also <laughs> forgot about the Road Warriors making their entrance with Paul Ellering and Rocco on motorcycles as well. And you so. forgot about Bill Dundee like crashing at ringside like in the late 70s. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the most recent person before that that came out on a bike was The Undertaker. Incidentally, the DOA knew what they were doing too and were able to drive theirs around the ring too. But instead, Triple H, who's not a biker guy as far as I'm aware of. I don't know. Maybe maybe someone will will that that'll be the first message I get is that for for this podcast I'm like actually Shad, you should know that yeah, uh, I, H is a biker enthusiast and be like, "Well, that's fine. I can be wrong about it, but then why did he have not have an actual motorcycle 
Why did he have a power trike with two big fat like <laughs> drag racing tires on the back of it? I think this is a cultural appropriation type of thing. <laughs> He's <laughs> appro- appropriates her. Well, okay, and so my my takeaway for his entrance this year is that he wants to be Charlize Theron. That's the only that's the only possible takeaway I could well, get out of shit, it. Shit, Chad, who doesn't want to be? It never leaves she a fucking did, house. She she dated Sean Penn, so that would that would be still. Well, I mean, if you were if you were her, you would have taste, so you wouldn't date Sean Penn. <laughs> We're getting into some weird territory now. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, but, well, my takeaway from this is I would have rather had five to eight minutes of that put on the Reigns McIntyre match. Okay, that that's going to lead me to a different question. Mm-hmm. This was a show that had, and and rightfully so, a lot of title matches on it. It's Mania for God's sake. Was there a different feel for the title matches than there were for the non-title matches? Wait, ask that again. Well, like, did 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 the crowd have like a different feel when during like the matches where there was a title versus matches where there weren't, or where there was like something big on the line? Like, well, I, I can't even say that. That's not. I, I was gonna don't... say Angus the last match, but we we can't really even. Never mind. Uh... It, that's a difficult one to say because, I mean, I think – I feel like this card was so thrown together that it wasn't – it's hard to say. It's There was a lot of emotion, obviously, for like the, the Kofi Bryan match. Uh, there are actually people – for I, to my consternation, Seth Rollins was actually very over and people were happy to see him win. He benefited from being on – like being the first major match though. Probably. That uh, – I don't know, because people didn't necessarily care about the, the women's tag match mm-hmm. or the Iconics winning. I mean, who get, no one cares about the Iconics. I uh, enjoy their gimmick. The 20-something-year-old sitting in front of me cared a lot about them. Ugh. 20-something-year-old men. Oh, there it is. Okay. So, so um, Triple H and, <laughs> and Batista killed the crowd pretty good. How much did Baron Corbin did. beating Kurt Angle just murder the crowd right before it was time to give a shit about the main event? Uh, it kind of killed it. People didn't care about that match at all. But he, I, they did chant for Kurt at the end. So um, I think uh, people in my section, at least, and some of some of the people I was sitting with and my friends, like... Uh, like the Dames, Damien Gonzalez and uh, Christy Petrillo, we were all kind of like, okay, you're really... I know that the time-monitored tradition is to job in your final match, but people were still like, really? Like, Baron Corbin? You could have you could have done so much. You could have you could have had Chad Gable come out. You could have brought Matt Riddle up. Like, there's a lot of shit you could have done there. Uh, you could have done a lot. Um... It would not surprise me if that was actually Kurt's decision to to pay off the storyline and then put him over on his way out. Given given the the folks that Kurt was trained by in the era he came up in, that to me that it would not surprise me if that was Kurt's choice. Well, that's possible. It's but just I such don't... a waste, and I'm just sick of Baron Corbin. 
Now, I will say the one thing I did like and I think was a pretty popular return was. <laughs> how about how, how was the feel for that? How, how was how was the uh, the crowd response for for that? Are you talking about the Elias segment? Yes, I am. So uh, I don't know if people knew if Cena was going to come out. Uh, I think I think people did feel like if Cena was going to be on the show that that would be where he would interrupt. Uh-huh. Um, I will say this. When he came out as original John Cena doing, you know, word life, when the word life <laughs> music dropped, people went crazy. Like that did bring the crowd back. I started cracking up immediately. And when he did, when he did his pro, his little rap battle, I guess. Uh, and it was basically like heal John Cena again. Yep. Uh, people ate up every moment of that with a spoon. Uh, so that was actually well-received. I was waiting for him to pun on his, like, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, I guess that wasn't PG, and, you know, on his way out. But um, it was still, that was still a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, so that that was very well-received. Okay, so can I can I ask you, um, I guess the real question I have is, the main event really seemed like a battle of the crowd saying to themselves, I really should care about the main event, and I really do care about the main event, but I am fucking tired as shit, and I don't have anything left to give. That was unfortunately what happened. Yeah. Because that was, that was obviously like the most heavily promoted show on this card, and I won't lie to you guys. Like, in full disclosure, uh, I, would, I actually need to watch this match again because watching it live, it this match didn't. I don't even think start until almost midnight. That's, That's correct. And I was nodding off during this match, and oh, it's not wow. because it's not because they weren't putting on a good match. From from what I've seen, it may, it may not have been as good as the four way on NXT. I'd have to watch both of them again, I think, to kind of finalize my feelings on it. But it was a good match, and they were trying hard. Um, and there were some good spots in it, it, but it fatigue was a real thing. I mean, at that point, yeah. we had been watching wrestling for like seven hours, right? At least. Uh, so yeah, I started nodding off. To I'm, that match. I'm gonna be honest with you. Me sitting at home, I fell asleep during Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, and Baron Corbin, Kurt Angle. I, I straight up dozed off during those and then i woke up at the end here in the ring bell it's it was just too much it was too much i mean there have been a lot of commentary that's been passed around since then but it, it really was and i think that that hurt that match like because people were just fatigued and the the finish kind of came to me out of nowhere like i here's the thing if you were to describe the finish to me mm-hmm. i'd be good with it you know, here we are. Rhonda's going on this tear, and Charlotte's on the outside, and Rhonda picks up Becky to to hit one of her big moves, and Becky rolls her over into a crucifix and gets the pin. I would be like, you know what? That sounds like a good finish. I like that. The right person goes over. The right person puts that person over. You know, it's 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 Rhonda's first uh, pinfall loss. Becky pulled it out because she's the KG veteran, and no matter how how tough Rhonda thinks she is, you know. Becky's just she's she's smarter she's better but the pro there was just 
you know, uh, the fact that I guess first of all, the ref just went ahead and counted the finish, in even though he's right in front of him and sees that it's really not settled in the way it needs to be, and then, and this is this doesn't help, but and then you have commentary point that out. Now I don't know if that was commentary trying to be like oh you know we're on this we're trying to keep you know we're why i don't understand mania is supposed to be ultimate blow off like starcade was so i don't understand the idea of introducing ambiguity or to keep a feud going past mania post mania is the mania is the reset button you start doing new stuff after that but they did and it might just have been that they couldn't help but but point it out and it was pretty glaringly obvious. I think they had to for their own credibility's sake. Well, here's the other thing. If the camera angle had still been pulled back, instead of being so tight in on it, then they might have been able to to play it off. But the camera was in so close that uh, there was no playing at all. They could have got away with it, too, if it wasn't an HD, I bet. And and it's funny, the one time we wanted for... Um, the one time that Kevin Dunn kept it, you know, kept the focus in the ring, instead, this is what we got. <laughs> you know, we got the... We got the focus too tight, oh, right? You know, bringing up Kevin Dunn just to diverge for one second—that's what <laughs> I loved about the Chris Daniels. You mean that? You mean Bucky Beaver? Yes, but I'm glad you're bringing this up, Brad. But part the best part of the added amazingness of the Orange Cassidy Chris Daniels exchange was whoever produced that took this really like subtle dig at Kevin Dunn because. Every time, mm-hmm. like, a move was thrown, they changed the angle, like, in really, like, abrasive cuts. And it was just, it was such yeah. a great dig at WWE production, and I completely forgot about that when we talked about it, but bringing up uh, Bucky Beaver there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it was con- it's been confirmed that that was a dig, but multiple people picked that out, so I'm thinking that it, it was definitely now, meant to be. I think the, it was intentional. Uh, the other thing about that is that the quick camera cuts by themselves were actually even if even if we didn't know it was a dig at Kevin Dunn you know what I'm 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 probably not even going to use his name again I'm just going to call him Bucky Beaver from now on so cuz you guys know what I'm talking about um even if we didn't know it was a dig at him it was still funny to cut it back and forth it's it it'd be something that you'd see out of a you know a, a standard comedy movie is click click Click, click, back, forth, back, forth. Or that's that's how it seems to me. So by itself, I thought it was funny. Yeah. I, I Like I said, I really enjoyed that. But so back to this. So one time he decided to keep it tight in the ring. Like it, you know, hurt the product. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't do any favors. So what, uh, what was the crowd energy good for Becky winning? Or was it just like, or was everyone just like, oh, thank God we can go home and sleep now? Um, it was good. Uh, I think that the fatigue factor did play into it because she got a good reaction. I feel it would have been bigger, uh, if it, if people again, hadn't been there for seven and a half hours, almost eight hours at that point. Uh, 
I, I think it would have been bigger. So, like people, uh, Kofi got a bigger reaction. Um, I think there's a lot more emotion going into that, and obviously the the real life narrative there is a lot bigger. Well, um, I feel like I feel like they screwed the Becky story up so much that Kofi kind of sped by her in the end. I would agree. I would agree with that as well. I think they did like they it's like a recipe that they added too many ingredients to and they, they messed it all up. Like, but she did get a very good reaction. People were genuinely very excited and happy that she won. Okay. Um, I, I just feel like the fatigue level had, had definitely sat in at that point. So people were a little punch drunk. Yeah. So, so here comes, here comes the big important question. Okay. Mm -hmm. So your wife, who's not a wrestling fan, obviously Mm -hmm. went to mania with you. Yes. When did she check out? When had it just been too much and she was just fucking done with this whole thing? She probably put her head on my shoulder like, I'm tired, I want to nap on you. <laughs> um, probably by the Roman Reigns match. Mm. Uh, and then after that, like she, pro- she... I mean, she came alive a little bit for the triple h batista match when they were basically at the very beginning when they were doing the graphic violence Mm -hmm. um but then after that she kind of lost it again and then like me she was basically like nodding off during the the final so what so i don't understand like why they they're going this long with it because this bit them in the ass last year and i think the year before i was reading about it um, I was reading about it earlier. <clears throat> the um, idea is that the longer, the, if you have events where you have more people watching active live WWE product, then the executives in charge get a bonus. Yeah, I read and that. And so too. they just run. They run, a, that. run a yeah. They run a big long yeah. mania for that reason. But, That's what I had read as well. So, so my so my my personal takeaway, and I apologize to the people at home. We we had a long conversation before the show went on the air, so I'm having a lot of trouble remembering some of the things we talked about on air and off air. But my takeaway from this is this might be the year that mania jumps the sh- jump the shark. It's just too god it's too long like here's the thing the stuff that people really wanted to happen happened becky won she pinned ronda um kofi won he pinned brian brock no longer has the title that's the important part um you know balor won uh stuff like that like the things that people really wanted to have happen did happen and yet we're not getting like this is this is one of the best manias ever because it was exhausting there was just too much i won't yeah i mean i won't lie to you like there things that i did want to happen did happen like i wanted becky to win i wanted kofi to win uh i'm glad that balor got a big mania win um i wasn't excited about Rollins, but you know, I thought that they needed to get the title off Brock. Like there was, there was some good stuff here. There was like plenty of good stuff here, but 
my wife asked me, uh, she's like, you know, you've been now, this is like the third mania I've been to. And she's like, like, how would you rank them? And honestly, uh, I would put this at the bottom of the three that I've been to. Really? And I say that even though to me, like of the three that I've been to, and I went to this one, I went to last year's and I went to, uh, 32 in Dallas. Uh, to me, Kofi winning and Becky winning were the emotional moments of those two things. Yeah. Topped, topped the other two manias I went to. Okay. Uh, even even last year when, when the big kind of emotional moment was uh, Brian coming back, Daniel Bryan. Yeah. But to me, like it, those two moments were better than any of the th- – were the best of the, th- of the three when that I've been to. But uh-huh. because of the bloat of this – and I just feel most of the matches were kind of there. Uh, it's the worst of the three. You know what's happened to me is like back in the day, and it, this hasn't been true for a number of years, honestly. Mania used to be something you looked forward to all year. Right. And like you'd have that marked on your calendar. You'd have people over like you were going to get your favorite pizza. Like you made a night of it. And that was, like, the wrestling event of the year. And now, like, instead of looking forward to that and, like, the build, I just dread Mania because it is a bloated, like, just carcass of a show. Yeah. And I find it, so, I find it interesting it, you hated it. The, the, it was your lowest Mania when I would say that the other two you've been to would not be necessarily well-regarded Manias either. Yeah, I, I'm, that's true. Uh, but looking at the show, I'm, I'm looking at the card right now. And it's like outside, outside of Kofi's win and Becky's win. It can is there a, a, a match on this show that is really of any sort of significance or importance? I mean, I guess the angle angle's final match, but that's even that's kind of ruined because it was six minutes and he lost to Baron Corbin. But I mean, he did ever- have streak broken, but it was on the pre-show. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> that's true. That actually was a cool moment. So, but but not not much else really. Oh, it's this just this was air the, the longest mania, like sixteen matches on the show, and it it's to me it's like it's it's almost forgettable. Yeah, incidentally, Triple H and Batista was a minute longer to the second than Kofi Bryan. But Kofi Bryan at no point did that feel like it dragged. That's very true. It didn't look. I understand that you you have this hot build for Triple H versus Batista, and if you're going to do the nose ring spot, and I'm going to lean in real close because I'm going to tell everybody a secret that you, they don't tell you about backstage in wrestling. But if you're going to do that spot, make sure the nose ring you hold up is the same one of the color he was wearing when you started the spot. It was obviously covered in bloodshed. No, it was just it was just gold. So he held it up, and it's obviously gold in the light. But the one that Batista had been wearing was like blue green or something. It, so I it let, left me wondering: Has Batista been wearing a clip-on nose ring all this time? I just find it amusing that trip that um, Triple H have like Triple H's Mania program falling flat on its face is like the new. Um, the new annual mania tradition. Yeah, we don't have Pete Rose getting choke slammed anymore, so we need something, right? That's 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 um 
that is a moment in history that needs to be remembered and brought back is Pete Rose jumping cane dressed as the Phoenix Suns mascot. <laughs> because because now now that I say that, I want him to jump like Kane as gritty. <laughs> um before we get done, I want to just interject a few thoughts on the end of this. Um I, I watched the show. I was intrigued to see what happened. I'm glad Brock dropped the title, but the way they did it didn't work for me. You know, here comes Rollins. Rollins has all this build about being the beast slayer. And then what happens immediately? Brock just starts tossing him around, beating the crap out of him. And then Rollins gets a hold of him and, and stomps him three times. That's I'm like, I, okay, I guess that works, but that's also that's not very fun to watch. Um, I always love watching AJ Styles. I've been a fan of AJ's for almost 20 years now. The finish on AJ Orton was, I thought, probably not in terms of the finish itself, not the emotional impact, but it was probably the most clever finish on the show because it was, it was all built on like AJ fakes the forearm and Randy went to go RKO him for it. And AJ just hops back down this time. He got far enough up that Randy hooked it. And then he hopped back outside neck, snapped him over the rope and went for the finish. Like it's this progression mm-hmm. of, of scouting him. I liked that a lot. You know, that was quietly um, like a really good program with a really good payoff to it. Yeah. Um, Are they going to continue even, this view? I, I hope, I hope it's done. Cause like I said, I kind of, I kind of feel like they're going to. They they but. shouldn't because they that's actually probably one of the best programs they've done in like a long time. Mm-hmm. AJ blistering Orton in promos was a lot of fun too. Um, the and I know you guys have talked about this, but I just wanted to throw some thoughts out as we went. Uh, the finish on oh, incidentally the 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 reason that the Usos were in a four way match. Um, which I hadn't thought about, but the fact that they 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 basically gave the New Day a pass in the gauntlet, and so this was punishment, was something I hadn't considered. And then them coming out ahead, I liked that story. The announcers had to tell it, but I liked that story a lot. Um, the finish on Shane Miz was stupid, because on a vertical suplex, the guy taking it does not have his arm on top of the other guy. I mean, it, it looked great. Miz is whipping, you know, just beating Shane all over the place. And then the announcers that don't sit down by ringside are freaking out because here these guys come through their space again. That amused me, but the finish was dumb. Um, obviously, Kofi Bryan was great. See the reaction that uh, Big E and Woods had with Kofi was, you know, got me right in the feels. And then to have Kofi's sons hit the ring with him to celebrate with him, I got some manly eye sweat going. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that was a that was a great moment. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, that, and we already talked about everything else, basically. But it just, there was stuff that was, that was good, but God, do we need, like, Brad said Styles Orton had one of the best built programs on the show. Like one, I'd say top three. Um, eh, maybe top four. The build for for Triple H Batista. 
then a show so those guys could both be on Mania and get the payday for it. The um, Reigns McIntyre was just very clearly to get both those guys on a show so they get the payday for it. There's stuff, there was fat that could be trimmed. And yet, yeah, and it just went on so long. We don't need all of that. Just, we don't need all the video packages either, right? No. We're, we're watching the show. We're watching the show. If you I, want to do it, make it a two-minute video package. Just two minutes to recap. That reminds me of something. Uh, they showed this in the theater, not in the theater, in the stadium. I, I imagine they showed this at home. Well, why, since she already got a, a nice big entrance, why did they do an entire video package of Charlotte like flying into the stadium on a helicopter? Did you guys see that? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that yeah, they showed like, us that. That wasted like five minutes, and then she still got a big entrance. It's like I don't even know what that was. Uh, oh, and by the way, like right, I think it was right before the main event or b- before the. Uh, the Finn Balor match, they had to have a Truth and Carmella come out for a dance thing, and I yeah. like honestly, like I, I actually got kind of hot at that, and like my wife like came alive, and it's like, why are they doing a dance number now when it's like almost midnight? And I'm like, I don't know, like that could have uh, cut out so, for time. So talking the, to- the stupid skit, sorry to cut you off, yeah. the stupid skit where they had to show the goose from Saturday Night Live and a comedy spot where like. The outsiders are gonna, you know, give them a rectal exam. Like, what? What? What the hell was that? At least it was short. Like that was. That I don't was care. Only like you know three what? That's minutes, five. But... That's five minutes you could have cut out that I didn't have to sit there and that stayed that's, longer. That's true. Here's the. Here's. I've been looking also for this um, as a for the reference while while I was talking earlier, and I'm multitasking. So, um, when Monty Python. The Monty Python group made Quest for the Holy Grail. They kept restructuring the movie. And the thing they discovered is that they had to put a break in there somewhere because people would laugh for 45 minutes and then stop because they were tired no matter what order stuff was put in. So they had to build breaks into what they were doing to give people an opportunity to stop and breathe and rest for a minute. So, I think there is something to be said for not running things so long. Like, if you're going to build a match the, around the gimmick of it being an hour long, like the, the Joe Punk hour three hour long matches, people know what they're getting into, right? But I don't think it's necessary to have some matches go for more than 20 minutes, right? We don't need that. It's you're you we're just going to get tired of looking at it. This is a new theory that I just came up with. I don't think I don't know how much it has in the way of legs, but I'm putting it out there. No, I think there's I think there's a definite um there's a because de- I've I've talked about this on other f- forums. I've asked people what they think is the right length for a wrestling show and the answer i keep seem to keep getting is that once you start getting past the four hour mark on a wrestling show is when people start to diminish um with their interest but here's the other thing like if you think about so think about productivity and the studies they've done on productivity if you work a job once you get past the eight hour mark is when your productivity starts to drastically drop 
because that's mm-hmm. when fatigue starts to set in. So WrestleMania was almost at that point where if you were working a job, your productivity would start to dip. Yeah. I'd say it dipped pretty well. But going back to the video packages for a minute. So my wife watched um, the Chikara show with me, obviously, because we did an episode on it. But um, for the main event, they did like a two-minute video package about that feud and how they got there. And um, two minutes, she's good to go. The announcers did some more background info on it. And then they worked the match like they hated each other. She never had any questions. She's like, okay, I'm good. Sure. These guys hate each other. This is enough. Yeah. Let's do it. This is why they're fighting. Okay. This is the build up to it. Yep. And yet we've got we've got oh god, we had to have, you know, fifteen minutes of entrances and then you know, thirty five minutes of of plotting match, which I don't you know what? I'm just gonna I'm not gonna beat that horse anymore. Matt, were there any other stories from the weekend you wanted to to share? Yeah, I just had one. Um, I was good hanging out with a bunch of people, and that was uh, fun times. Uh, usually, by the time these shows got done, or we ha- were able to travel back to like the hotel we were staying at, the WrestleCon hotel, kind of too tired to really be partying it up uh, mm-hmm. late into the evening. But I will say that uh, on Friday night, uh, after coming back from uh, Brooklyn. Uh, in the NXT show, uh, I peeked into the WrestleCon uh, bar, yeah, <laughs> the hotel bar, because uh, sometimes uh, the wrestlers who are staying at the convention or at the hotel uh, will be, you know, hanging out down the bar. Uh, Friday night, uh, SoCal Uncensored were hanging out there, uh, and they were getting. Uh, Pretty toasty with one David Arquette. Nice. Really? <laughs> uh, David I th- I th- Arquette, I think, worked... Uh... Timothy Thatcher on the... Um... Yeah. Was that the penis party? Yeah, it was a penis party. Yeah, he uh, he worked a he worked a match there, and he was there at the bar, and he was looking pretty good. What was that, um, what was that picture you sent us of some guy grabbing his junk and him, like, doing, like, the tough, like, guy face? Oh, uh, one of the Wrestling Observer guys actually paid the thirty bucks to touch Joey Ryan's penis. Oh my god! Oh, and <laughs> I don't. Who was? I don't know why. So, um, someone, one of our. Wait, let's be clear. The picture was Ryan still had his wrestling trunks on. Yes, correct. So there, they were doing was, the spot. This was, there was not like there was no touching of skin. There was no. Still, this was not like still grabbing amateur. the guy's cock. Like yeah, but, yeah, you're, yeah. But um. Who so one of our friends posted like a tweet and I don't know who this was but someone made a shit ton of money because someone asked if he would if he would chop his friend for 20 bucks and then a line <laughs> formed and then he got tired so he started charging like 50 and people were still lining up and I don't know Yeah who that's it was. that's a Bullet Club member New Japan wrestler uh, Bad Luck Fale oh, that's one right. of the He's not. He's not technically. He's he's technically, I think, Tongan. Um, but he's part of Bullet Club. Uh, he, so Bullet Club, uh, that the New Japan group, uh, did a block party uh, at a restaurant near, I think, in Jersey or near Jersey, near like the WrestleMania, and 
Uh, I could have gone to that. I didn't because uh, I didn't want to spend most of the morning there. But they, it's, it's it was in association with the previously mentioned Jimmy Seafood. Oh, they like catered it, and I've been to Jimmy Seafood, guys. Uh, one thing I noticed when I was there at Jimmy Seafood is that Jimmy Seafood throws a lot of events, and a lot of them have open bar. Nice. So I think I think this was. Uh, I think people were. Uh, enjoying their adult libations and then that led to bad decision making uh, because <laughs> if you don't if you've never seen what Fale looks like he's Very six foot large. four and, and 300 something pounds uh, of Tongan man so he's not someone that you would want to chop but apparently people I guess decided like oh it'd be fun to get chopped by uh, Fale and he was like alright 20 bucks I'll chop anyone who gives me 20 bucks. And then I guess he said that eventually, like so many people were doing it, his hand started to hurt. So he upped it to 50 bucks <laughs> and people and still, yeah. people were still paying it. Could you imagine? Uh, and there's videos. Could you, there's video out there. Could you imagine being it. like, holy fuck, like I made like 2,000 bucks just hitting people for a couple hours? That's what I'm sitting here thinking is, God, I wish I would have thought of that. I guarantee he made a few hundred. I. The only thing I might have said is, give me a minute to wrap my hand up first. Because I, I wore I wore wraps on my hand when I'd work. But have you ever heard man. The, Have you ever heard Jericho tell the story about the Rock and Roll Express and like Smoky Mountain and how they were just merch machines? Like they would yeah. just bring like rags and like tear them up and like they take a yeah it was a bed sheet and they'd cut it in strips and write R and R and sell them as headbands for like twenty bucks a piece. Yeah, like. I didn't remember how much they sold them for. I'm sorry. And I, I think they were tearing them up in front of, like they would tear them off in front of the people and just do it with like a Sharpie and charge them 20 bucks. Thing once. Say that again. Brad, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on your story. I just love that so much. But didn't they have a, a like a fan give them something once? There was a video of their family. Uh, doing this like weird like hillbilly stuff and he said like on the their wall was like a picture of jesus and then an even bigger picture over jesus was the rock and roll express no 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 the um the um like some fan gave a gift to the rock and roll like gave them something and i I can't remember what it was it was part of the merchandising story oh i don't remember Oh, I, I was thinking you were talking about the videotape. No, hang on a second. Oh, oh, I found it. Um, they had a okay. So it was, it, it's in Jericho's book. He told the story about the the bed sheet and the headbands, which I didn't remember the pricing. Um, but there was a fan who walked up to him and gave them both, like they were these uh, these Rebel Flag license plate holders that had like vanity rock and roll uh, plates in them. They're like, you know, I've been a fan of you guys for a long time. Wanted to give these to you as an appreciation for everything you've done. They go, thanks, man. That's great. Thank you very much. And the guy turns and walks away, and they turned away and resold them immediately. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember that now, yes. That's, that's a good one. I also remember they got in trouble because they were doing, like, a double missile drop kick off the top rope, and Cornette's like, you can't do that. And they're like, why? I'm like, the Rock and Roll Express do just a double drop kick for their finish and you're using that as like a transition spot. Now that their finish was the double drop double missile drop kick, but that's still like undermining the veterans there. Yeah. I thought it was just so. I thought I thought I, I didn't remember that being there. Yeah. And I also remember did you have you, the story where they're talking about the 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 
the video packages Cornette was using, and Jericho was like, can you at least get us hotter girls? Yeah, I remember that story. Sorry, that's a, that's a weird tangent. I love hearing them talk about their Smoky Mountain days, though. Oh, man. Well, Matt, we want to say thank you for, uh, for I know, making a huge sacrifice and going to New York to watch lots of wrestling. I know that yeah. that was... I, yeah, I had wanted to do uh, kind of like some uh, get some fan reactions, uh, but I wasn't able to actually get can, some of that. But I am I'm going to go next month to Double or Nothing, so can, maybe I can get can some I of ask that. Then. Question. Sure. So if you had it to do again in a better locale with more access to indie shows, would you consider like in the future going to Mania Weekend, s- skipping Mania and focusing more on like the indie shows instead? Uh. It's still hitting like NXT. I probably, because to me, it's like growing up, I always, even though this was so long and the show was kind of lackluster outside of the two matches I mentioned, to me, it's like it's still about Mania. So I probably would still go to Mania and I would still at least do NXT. But I probably, if they were closer together, I probably would try to see more indie shows. But to me, like NXT is like must see nowadays. Yeah. Uh, at least the the, the, takeover. the takeovers. Yeah, the TV yeah. gets the TV gets a little dull, I think. But the takeovers, yeah. the takeovers, I think have had a little more inconsistent quality lately. But even when they're, even when I'm disappointed in a takeover, I would usually take that over most shows. Mm-hmm. Like usually when if we get if we come on here and I'm not hot on an NXT show. It's usually probably because my expectations are unrealistic and I'm bitching about like still a really good show that wasn't excellent. So, I mean, that's really. So, all right. Well, guys, I think we, we may have talked this one to death. So this is our, our unique spin on the end of, uh, or on the, on the back end of mania. Um, again, Matt, we appreciate you, uh, taking the, you know, biting the bullet for us on that that's no problem (laughs) and uh again guys um we'd love to hear from you hit us up on social media we'd love to uh we'd love to hear what you thought what were your thoughts about stuff mania weekend maybe it wasn't mania maybe it was one of the other shows maybe you just want to say you guys just have to understand how good the nxt show was and we we were not going to disagree with you but um you know, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Hit us up on the social media. Don't forget Collar and Elbow. Also, hashtag we believe in Epico. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is Shad uh, here with Matt and Brad. Uh, we've been in three corners. You're in the fourth. You all have a good uh, good evening, and we'll see you next time.